So I probably DM like 3,000 professional athletes a couple years ago. I got blocked by Instagram every single day. You can only send like a couple hundred a day. So I got blocked every single day for a couple months. And I said basically like, hey, I'd love to be your marketing agent. I'd love to bring you marketing deals. And I got 12 out of a couple thousand to say yes, which I'm a salesperson. That success rate is pretty terrible, but it was more than one. Welcome to Two-Sided, the Marketplace Podcast, brought to you by ShareTribe. Hello and welcome. I'm Stuart, CMO at ShareTribe, and I am your host. For this episode, I'm joined by Jason Berkman, who founded MarketPrice, a marketplace for connecting athletes and companies for marketing partnerships. Definitely not something I had ever thought about, but those are usually the ideas that I love the most. Marketplaces, you know, they can exist in all these unexpected niches, which I think is really, really cool. And I'm sure many of you also have that, that after getting familiar with the idea of a two-sided platform, you suddenly see marketplace opportunities everywhere. This was a really great conversation, and I recommend you keep your ears pricked for the importance of direct sales. I think this is something often overlooked in startups, and Jason is a great sales evangelist, and we talk about that a lot. Another really cool thing, and I think it connects really well with something that Casey Winter said in episode one of this season, namely about regulation capping a market, is that market prices market basically multiplied by 100 overnight when a piece of legislation was passed and colleague athletes were suddenly also allowed to get endorsements. We also discussed the importance or lack of importance of this intermediation. And of course, you'll find small gems throughout the entire interview, I hope plus an unexpected guest appearance by my four-year-olds, which caused a small hitch, but hopefully doesn't throw the interview too much off track. In any case, another great episode that I enjoyed very much, and I hope you do too. Let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Jason Bergman of Market Price. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sure. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to come on. I've heard you listen to the podcast before, so you know that my question, first question is always about setting the context of who we are listening to today and, you know, what is the background from the person speaking. So could you tell us a little bit about what you did before you started Market Price? Yes, of course. And by the way, fan of the podcast, thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to to keep the good run of guests and episodes going. But for me, I have been in sales my entire career. So I graduated back in 2015 from the University of Florida and went right into uh, Yelp, where I was a salesperson at this company, Yelp. Do you, do you guys have Yelp in Finland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure like how alive is it in general, but in Finland, it's not such a big thing anymore. But for a while, it was really big. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I I like starting there because I was uh, cold calling local businesses across the country at Yelp. First job out of college where I was cold calling business owners who have been in business for longer than I've been alive at 22 years old. And in sales, you have to embrace being uncomfortable, right? And that's something that I learned firsthand at Yelp, where I was trying to pitch these businesses selling ads on the platform. And kind of everything in my career since then has been a lot easier, which has been 
great for me and I've just been trying to learn and I've been in a couple roles since then but now I'm at market price where it is a two-sided marketplace where we are empowering professional athletes student athletes and sports agents to connect with businesses for marketing opportunities I am sure we will deep dive into the story yeah something yeah. why uh, why I like a lot of these podcasts right you dig very deep but for me I saw that there was a massive opportunity and a really big problem where if you're not LeBron James or Leo Messi or a super superstar athlete I like to say the top one percent connecting with businesses for endorsement opportunities for partnership opportunities for really anything it's just something that's not accessible and a, a topic you cover a lot in every podcast is sort of democratizing different industries that's what we're trying to do democratize athlete marketing and yeah it's been a fun ride so far yeah could you tell in a little bit more detail about like what market price is about because like it's a marketplace bringing did i understand it right like student athletes and businesses together in a way yeah uh, we like to compare it a lot to like a well because i'm talking to 18 and 19 year old kids a lot uh we like to compare it a lot to a dating app okay where student athletes professional athletes and agents could more or less like swipe right or left on companies that are out there and my background most recently was starting with the problem right was as a former sports agent so i worked with 12 professional athletes trying to find them marketing deals long story short and you could feel free to pinpoint on wherever you'd like to find go deeper is finding what companies are out there finding the right person at that company that handles marketing that handles athlete marketing or influencer marketing and when was the right time for them you know if i reach out to them in january is a better time in march or later in the year and i mean i definitely don't miss the days of sending out a hundred cold emails a day to get three replies two of them being no's so uh i wanted to make a website that made it easier yeah so was that at some kind of an agency yeah uh that you were working for it was actually my own sports marketing agency so i am All a right. huge sports nerd I love sports. I could talk about it. If you want to pivot, not talk marketplaces <laughs> and just talk sports the whole time, let's I'm see, down. Yeah, I uh, no, I, I love sports. I always wanted to work in sports. I always wanted to be a sports agent also. And yeah. graduating from college, I was like, man, I've done sales for a few years. Let me try my luck at this. Let me see how hard it really is to be a sports agent. So I sent out, I went on Instagram and, you know, something Gary Vee says, right? Like everybody is one DM away. Uh, everybody has Instagram basically and you can message whoever you want like you can message the rock is he gonna answer probably not but like you could and a notification may go to his phone so I probably DM like 3,000 professional athletes a couple years ago I got blocked by Instagram every single day you can only send like a couple hundred a day so I got blocked every single day for a couple months and I said basically like hey I'd love to be your marketing agent I'd love to bring you marketing deals and I got 12 out of a couple thousand to say yes which I'm a salesperson, that success rate is pretty terrible, but it was more than one. So I was able to see if I could do it. And yeah, again, we could get into it, but I feel like every great business has started from a problem that a founder has really realized and felt firsthand because you kind of skip over the user interviews. You're your first user and you're building the platform to solve your problems that you faced firsthand. So yeah. Did you already, basically we go straight into like, you know, supply demand problem, because when you reached out to those athletes, like, did you have any, you know, deals in the pipeline to offer them that you already have, you know, because basically you are, in a way, you're almost like, you know, you were your own little, little manual managed marketplace, right? Where you're like, okay, I have these people on the one hand, these people on the other side. So did you have any deals already at that time or? Before reaching out to the athletes to be their HRA? Absolutely not. No, no. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I wanted to see if this was even possible, like if athletes would answer me. And I 
just did it. And, and, yeah. and again, I got answers. It was a lot easier for athletes to be like, cause again, I've been in sales. So I, I think one underrated part of working in sales is not only you could sell the product of the company that you work for, but you can sell yourself. So I was able to pitch myself on like, Hey, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm a huge sports fan and I'll be able to bring you deals. If I don't bring you anything, there's no difference. Right. But if I bring you something, you could say yes or no. And then when I started reaching out to businesses, that's where the supply was important because their first question always was, okay, cool. Like what athletes do you work with? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like that's a great hot bet for the idea of a market price, I'd imagine. It was the best. Yeah. It yeah. was it was something that, again, I was like, I want to build a product that I could use. And I, I, I'm sure you're a big marketplace nerd as I am, right? Having this podcast, sure. Like Brian Chesky was the first host on Airbnb, the founder of Airbnb. And that was something when I was building MarketPrice, I'm like, cool, like, let's go. Like, we're going to be the first agent on MarketPrice. And I'm going to be able to see if this is easier to get athletes that I work for deals. And it was. And that's what allowed it to really continue growing. Yeah. And what did the first version of MarketPrice look like as a software product? Or did you even start without it being an actual software product? Yeah. So we did start with some sort of software product. I am visioning in my head and I'm kind of laughing, but I'm trying to yeah. keep it cool right now where <laughs> That's all right. The, the quote that sticks with me whenever I talk about this is the Reed Hoffman quote of like, if you're really starting a business, you should be jumping off the cliff and then assembling the airplane as you're jumping off and falling down. My co-founder, Sherry Arkan, who is unbelievable, I pitched him on this idea and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And there's a lot more that went into that, but from February 2020 to about December 2020, he quit his job and built this. And my background is in tech, and he built this two-sided marketplace. We were looking, in every sense of the word, an MVP, a minimally viable product of something that an athlete or agent could log in, see a company, and in two clicks, connect with the company. And there was a lot of other things that we did manually to start that, but that was the software that we wanted to start out. We, we did want some tech that worked that someone could go in and use without human oversight, more or less. So you really you really went the Tinder road that you mentioned, kind of, that it's like, or am I imagining this? No, absolutely. We And we still kind of model ourselves there. Like we, yeah. um, you know, one thing in marketplaces is, you know, looking at a lot is a lot of these marketplaces depend on this huge transaction fee, 20, 30%, where they want to keep everything on the platform. For us, and it goes into our business model, a lot like Tinder, a lot like it's Hinge or Bumble. It's one of the dating apps. They're like, download this and we want you to delete this. We want our athletes. The best part is, you know, if you find a match on Tinder or Hand or Bumble, I really hope that you find one match and then you're done, right? But for athletes, that's one of the coolest parts. And I know we'll dive into sports, but like you could work with a headphone company, a protein bar company, a water bottle company, a video game company. There's an athlete, Raekwon Smith, who is the quote unquote king of NIL. This college kid has closed like 70 NIL deals in like a year. So that's 70 businesses, and that's a lot, right? That's the very, very, very high end. But I think my point is these athletes don't just find one company and then they're done. The vast majority want to come back for more. And that's really how we built our business for those athletes that want to just really be able to access what's out there. All right. Yeah. And when you started the software product, right? Like, again, I would really like to, I think, always interesting to dive to the chicken and egg problem. So... So you had those, you know, you had previously those 12 athletes. Did you take them to market price or did you start a sort of like blank slate again? Meaning that basically my question is now that you were building the platform, what side were you focusing on first? 
Yeah, great question. I, I focused on the brand side. The brands were our supply side. So on one side, it's athletes and agents, and they're looking for companies. On the other side, it's businesses who are open to working with athletes. Our business model is that it is free for businesses to sign up. So for them, it's always free. They could sign up. They could create what we call a campaign. It's like a job posting that they post on our website. And then our network of athletes would see those campaigns and they could apply to however many that they want. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was right. Slash, I didn't even know if it would work if I was selling an athlete on market price. And then they say, hey, well, what deals do you have for me? If they had to pay us for zero deals, I'd rather, and what we did was between November, I wanna say, and December, I reached out to, I mean, countless businesses saying, hey, here's this free product. And again, I probably got like one or 2% responses, but we launched with actually 20 businesses that had campaigns up and running. So it was companies in the mattress space, it was companies in the protein space, like the green juice space, and companies who were like, well, why not? Like, let's see what athletes wanna work with me. And a lot of those OG businesses who I could name basically all of them because I'll remember them forever. Some of them are actually still on market price, which is really cool. And they're still running new campaigns. So yes, it was businesses first and then athletes. Yeah. And once you had a couple of businesses lined up, like how hard was it to bring athletes on board? I mean, everything was hard. I think the hardest part was the time. Like I, I can't stress enough how when you're starting any type of business, the time is your most valuable asset where when we launched, it was myself, my co-founder, who I love to death, but is not doing any sales, right? And he didn't need to. Yeah. Um, and then we had two employees, another developer, and then a marketing manager. I was doing all the athlete sales. I was doing the brand sales. I was doing the, once a brand signed up, helping them go through applications. When an athlete signed up, there's a whole strategy, account management part of it. There was a hundred jobs to do basically. So yeah. a lot of it was hard. Now, my most fun part was selling the athletes because that's what I had the most experience in. And at the end of the day, like the, the, there's not many ideas out there. And I believe market price is one of them where when someone hears about it, it's like, Oh my God, how did that not exist before? Like, really? Like, how did this, how was this done then beforehand? And it's my most fun conversations to get into where it's like, I know that's why we built market price. Like this is such a big opportunity that we really want to jump in and dominate. And it's something that we've been doing so far. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I hope it gave some context. Yeah, that totally answered my question. You know, actually, can I ask one question to sort of call back your, your Yelp experience? Because of course, like Yelp was also in a way like a two-sided marketplace, right? Like, mm -hmm. did, you, did you sort of realize that? Like, were you like, oh, I, I see similar dynamics? Or did you only sort of later put that together? Yeah, that's a really great question. I have not thought about that until you answered it. But now looking back, I had to get these local businesses to pay for advertising at the top of Yelp. So if you've been on Yelp, it's the, let's say you type in auto repair. You wanna be the first auto repair shop that pops up in Waukegan, Illinois, or O'Fallon, Missouri, which were the two cities that I used to call into. And I got these local business owners, I, I'll never forget it. Some cursed me out for reaching out to them. Some said, I need to pay for my daughter's braces and I can't afford this, but I'd love to do this. Like you realize from these businesses that they need to see a return on their investment or else they can't spend the money in the vast majority of their marketing spend, especially smaller businesses. So for us making the campaigns free and we wanna tell, hey businesses, this is free, like why not? There is no downside absolutely on market price. Sign up because again, I've had so many of those conversations charging brands a ton of money, thousands of dollars to just try something. Why can't we go the freemium route? Why can't we win on the supply side where 
we could go to every single athlete and we could do this today. And we've only been in business for about a year and a half, not even. Hey, there is no other marketplace that has as many brands and active opportunities as MarketPrice. And we are only growing. That's something that we can get behind, that we can market, and that gives us a competitive advantage of, you know, if we want to be the Uber, the Lyft in this market where no one can compete with us, that supply, those brands where it's a lot of brands, a lot of high quality brands, that's something that we want to be able to, to win and dominate. That's why Yelp wins, right? They have the most local businesses. Yeah, and actually, good, good segue also talking about local businesses. You know, like the question that, that always comes up and I always like to ask, you know, because you talked about, I forgot the names, oh, to be honest, the Missouri. O'Fallon, Missouri, Waukegan, Illinois. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask about constraint, right? Because, like, the U.S. is an enormous country, thousands and thousands of athletes, probably, well, I don't know, I don't know what's the number of the market. Businesses, of course, like, Basically, you could you could reach every small business in the country theoretically, because a lot of this probably I assume it happens online actually, like the, where this endorsement things happen. You know, how did you do? You need to constrain even like first of all, and if you do, like where did you start? Yeah, so we've absolutely constrained our marketplace, and we've done that really intentionally. So even at first, we are in the sports space. We were going to have some corny sports name when we launched because I worked in the sports space. And it was going to be it was going to be sport fluence, and now I kind of like it honestly. But I was like, we can't just be sports focused. Like, there's such a bigger opportunity if you want to dive into it. Just the creator economy in general, we are really, really bullish on. So we want to dominate sports and then expand once we dominate sports, and then go into just general creators, like more general influencers. But then again, it's not often that your total addressable market six months into your business, a hundred x's when college athletes were able to close marketing deals for the first time ever, which again, I'm sure we could get into. So yeah, tell, tell us about it a little bit, because I don't know anything. I mean, like, I'm, I don't live in the US, probably yeah. a lot of listeners also don't live in the US. So how does a market suddenly 100x expand, you know? That sounds like a dream come true. So maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe people would like to learn a little bit from this. It's a dream come true until you have like, 35 calls every single day for a couple of weeks when the legislation happens. But I'll try to answer that question and then the constrained yeah. one. Let's see how it goes. Yes, please. But yeah, so forever, professional athletes doing marketing deals. So let's say like LeBron James promoting Kia or LeBron James promoting Sprite or Tom Brady promoting Uggs. Uh, professional athletes promote businesses because businesses want to grow awareness and professional athletes want to make money. The bigger athletes, Tiger Woods was just a billionaire. News came out over 90% of his money came from marketing deals off right. of the golf course, right? Which is insane. But for every Tiger Woods, there is, I don't know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of golfers out there that haven't even done one deal, haven't made one connection because they don't have an agent to work for them and they don't know how to do that. That's why it's a lot like a dating app, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't know anybody personally. You go on an app, you swipe right or left, anybody could do it. So what happened was on July 1st in 2021. So in last year, July 1st, it's about to be a year since this happened, the NCAA, so college athletes, were never able to do marketing deals for a multitude of reasons that would probably bore the audience. But on July 1st last year, they passed a legislation where every single college athlete, so 500,000 college athletes overnight, starting July 1st, they passed the legislation on June 30th, I'm not kidding, yeah. were able to start doing marketing deals in a day, which is- 500,000? 500,000. Yeah. yeah. 500,000. Yeah. That's awesome because a while ago we had the episode with uh, Casey Winters who awesome. 
talked about one point about, you know, like where are big markets, like how to unlock big markets. And one of the, the reasons that he mentioned there is like, well, you should look at markets, you know, that are capped by regulation. I think he's talking about doctors and certain things, but like this is like textbook, you know, regulation on caps aside of the marketplace suddenly like, wow, 500,000, you must've been really happy. Busy, very happy, yes. And we kind of <laughs> knew in the back of our mind, like at some point this will happen because yeah. there were a few states that were going to allow this legislation. But on July 1st, 50 states, every single state in the US that has a university passed this legislation. Now with that being said too, there are 500,000 college athletes. There's about 5,000 professional athletes. That's where I get the 100X. And there's a lot, even less agents. But to the creators, there's 50 million creators right now. Now, 2 million of them are professional. And that's still just starting. And there's four times the amount of professional creators as there are college athletes. So that's the market we want to dominate. But to loop that in with the constrained marketplace, let's say you're a college athlete that goes to the University of Florida. So you're a check and field athlete for the Florida Gators in Gainesville, Florida. Do you have any marketing value to a company that's based in Los Angeles or that's based in Austin, Texas? Probably not, right? And if you're an athlete that again, is a Florida Gator and you go onto Marketplace and you see campaigns that are based in Finland, right? And they're looking for athletes that are based in Finland. If they're looking for athletes that are in Texas, in California, it's not going to be relevant to you. So for us, we've been trying to constrain it to the US market, national businesses. But now as we're getting smarter and our tech is getting a lot better, we want to be able to help those athletes connect with local businesses that are local to them because there are hundreds of thousands, if not like millions of local businesses that would connect, love to connect with local athletes. That's where a tech solution is a really valuable opportunity because those athletes in Gainesville, Florida have so much value on a local level to their local community. But then again, if we started like that, we wouldn't have been made it this far because that is too big of a problem to solve right off the bat. We wanted to start national and then expand, I like to say, internally to a local level. Yeah, yeah. So you first started sort of nationwide the bigger athletes and the bigger brands. And now you're sort of pulling it back and you go like locality by locality somehow. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool because like, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that like, okay, you know, democratizing sponsorships for students, but of course also like actually the other side of the market, right? Like, you know, like whatever, like uh, Cafe Joe on the corner of whatever, some small town did not previously have access to this as a solution, right? So like, that's actually really nice. Like I hadn't even realized that it sort of the democratization works both sides of the marketplace. That is really cool. Do you remember the first deal that you made on the, that sort of went fully on the no hands touching, like the first time that you thought like it works, right? Like the way we think it should work, it's working, right? There was no like call behind the scenes or no extra push for transaction to happen. It's just, just fully organic. Yeah. Can I kind of cheat and say it was a deal that I closed, but it was on market price and it oh, was with for a brand? Sure. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, but just cool. more like whatever is like the sort of, the great milestone when you're like, okay, now, you know, because of course you have to, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, you have to be a radical optimist in a way, right? Like being like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. Like, even though all signs are like, no, no, it's not working. This is not working. This is working. But you have to see it. And it's always a really great, you know, it's a really great moment once it works. So what was the moment for you? Yeah. So I think you're just being nice. I will give you the real answer and then I will hide because <laughs> I, I use the platform to connect with a, a business called Elephant in a Box to get one of my NFL players like a sofa. And I applied through the platform and they connected with me. And But I did it. So that was cheating. There, One of my favorite ones that was early on is we launched in January of 2020. And 
there was an athlete, and I'll, I'll never forget him, Brandon Mattis. And I, I love Brandon. I've mentioned him on a few podcasts before, but he is an ultimate Frisbee player. Have you ever heard of the AUDL, American Ultimate Disc League? No, but I know I know Ultimate Frisbee, yeah, but maybe you can explain a little bit for those who, who, who don't know. I would, I don't even want to butcher it. Go on YouTube and type in AUDL Highlights. It's the American Ultimate Disc League. It is, these guys are beasts. They are amazing. And they can do things with a Frisbee that I can't even dream of doing. And they are insanely <laughs> athletic and so skilled. And anyways, it's amazing and you can go into a black hole. But Brandon Mattis had about like 600 or 700 followers on social media, which is for an influencer, an athlete, it's just not... A lot, right? You think millions of followers and brands only want to work with athletes in the millions. And he reached out to me and I'll never forget it. And he's like, hey, do you guys have deals for AUDL athletes that have like 600, 700 followers? And I was the salesperson, right? And you'd think that I'd be like, yeah, yeah, just sign up, whatever. I was like, to be honest, man, I have no idea, but like it's a monthly membership. You sign up, it's 49 bucks. You could try it. And if you don't find a deal, that's okay. But if you do, then that's great. In his first month, he was able to connect with three businesses. It was like this company that he's still working with over a year later called Greens Plus. It's like protein bars and superfoods. There was a company that helped him sign autographs and make memorabilia. And it's like, and then there was a couple companies where he got insoles for his cleats because these AUDL athletes are jumping and they're running and the insoles are really important. And there were like $400 insoles that he got for free for promoting the business. And I just thought that was cool because I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work, but like try it. And we allowed, our business model allowed the athlete to take that into their own hands. And it's just super cool. And like he upgraded for a year membership after that. And he's been a really great ambassador for us and trying to help us connect with other AUDL athletes. But that was one deal that comes to mind where that'll be like ingrained in my head forever. Cause I genuinely did not know if it was going to work. Cause I, I wasn't going to lie to him. Right. I was going to be like, yeah, just try it. Uh, and, and it worked. I mean, I know some salespeople who would lie about it, but like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, that's really cool. Now, you know, once you, because of course the bigger brands, you know, sort of quality is ingrained because it's really important to them, same as with the athletes. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, 500,000 potential people signing up, hundreds of thousands of SMBs who can potentially use the platform. How do you keep quality up, right? Like, how do you, how do, you uh, do both sides basically, but maybe we can go side by side. Like, first of all, you know, how do you check the quality of the athletes in a way like quality, of course, like, do they live up to what they said they were supposed to live? You know, do they do they perform their part of the deal, for example? Like, how do you keep that in check? Yeah. So it's different for the athletes and for the businesses. I could start with for the businesses because that's a little bit easier on our side. Yeah. It, it, I compare market price a lot to like a job board. Like if you go on a job board, you'll see all the different jobs that you could apply to. We approve every single one. We're only adding one to two every single day. Now, that's a lot for athletes, right? It's a newer one or two deals every single day that you can get that are new. But our team looks into the business. Most of the time we've talked to the brand before just to make sure it's like, okay, cool, this is a legitimate business. They've added a payment file and we approve them. Now we've had to turn down businesses, but the vast majority look good and they're approved for our marketplace that we look at. On the athlete side, it goes into our business model where there are a lot of bad actors in the sports space, a lot of, I, this isn't a video podcast, I don't think, but I'm doing the quote unquote with my fingers, like sports agents who are the athlete's uncles or they're the athlete's friends of a friend who are like, yeah, I could get deals for my guy. And it's something you don't know until you're in the industry, which I was in for a couple of years. And that's something where we wanna make sure that high quality is there. We charge a monthly membership. So we've seen a lot of those people and I've talked to them personally, like, oh, hey, can I get a free trial? 
can I try this out? Where they don't want to put their money where their mouth is, the people that come into marketplace, like our marketplace, they're investing in themselves. They're paying money to access marketplace where if they're not serious about doing marketing deals or they don't actually represent that athletes, like you say, the quality of the user, they have to pay for our business, right? They have to subscribe. There is no free option for them to be able to benefit. And we do that purposely because that acts as a guardrail for us to make sure that our, our quality of our athlete users are the best possible. Now, it's another conversation on how to educate them because this is brand new. We talk to athletes every single day who are like, cool, now what do I do? But that's the fun for us. That's the opportunity for us to tackle. Yeah, that explains also a little bit because I was wondering, like, because, you know, usually the side that you charge is the side where it's the biggest constraint, right? And just from the sort of outsider looking in, I would previously have imagined that, like, okay, actually, you know, like the side that needs this the most is maybe the businesses in a way. So, like, you would charge them. But on the other hand, like, yeah, it, it, it does make sense. And especially if it has sort of the double-edged sort of also functioning as a, as a quality control, that's a really, really great solution. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What have been the biggest growth levers for you? I mean, besides legislation being passed, <laughs> what are you doing to reach those those 500,000 uh, potential athletes? Yeah. How much time do you have? Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> let's try to fit it into a regular podcast episode. Sure. No, but I mean, just, you know, like just some ones that you, you'd like to share, of course, that you're comfortable sharing that are like potentially insightful into the business or, or some, some, you know, it can also just be some really cool ones, right? Like, I mean, I remember last season when we talked to the founder of GreenPal who just gone around, I think, Nashville handing out like 20,000 flyers on doors or something, you know, like, like it works. Like those things, they work sometimes. So like, so what, I don't know what works for you. Yeah, I uh, so for for me, and this kind of goes to everything that we do at Market Price, and I think we've been doing a really good job, right? We've raised a seed round. We're up at twenty employees right now, and you know we're doing a lot of things right with two first-time co-founders who I've never started a business before. I'm obsessed with this, and I'm listening to thousands of hours of entrepreneurship podcasts, podcasts like yours, right, where I could see where other founders have messed up or won, right? We're not reinventing the wheel. I always say to my team, I'm like, Uber didn't invent the car, right? They just made it easier to get from A to B and they're a multi-billion dollar business. And with us, we're not reinventing athletes connecting with businesses. We're just making it easier. We're democratizing it. So a long way of me saying the number one thing that's worked for us is sales. And I'm sure you're familiar with Cameo, the incredibly successful unicorn marketplace. Unfortunately, they just had to fire 20% of their sales force. But to get to that point, they were doing something right. And I actually was offered a job there and almost moved to Chicago in another life to work there. And their sales process, they have 200 salespeople who are DMing on Instagram and on Twitter to celebrities to try to get them to sign up to their marketplace for free. And that's profitable for them. They're making money. So for us, it's like, cool, if Cameo has hundreds of thousands of celebrities on their platform, by just having salespeople reach out to them and it's free for Cameo, we charge a monthly membership. Now, if we could reach out and get the same number or even a portion of those athletes paying us a membership, that's something that could work for us. So those were sales I did in the early days. I got these athletes up and running. I was able to show the value of market price. And then when I got really busy doing a lot of other things, I hired multiple people to do that for us. So sales has been great. And I'd say the second part, and this is a little bit less scalable because it's out of our hands, but like you said, it's not often that six months into our business, the market that we're going after 100Xs, the amount of press that came from that, like literally right now, it's June 14th, there's a thing called the NIL Summit in Atlanta, where we have one of our employees with a couple of market price athletes down there representing our name. 
they made an entire summit about college athletes now being able to close marketing deals, where there's hundreds of people there because of this new legislation, and there's tons of press covering that. So when we are going out to athletes, the vast, vast, vast majority have heard about what's going on because it is so new, because it's so like, oh my God, what is that? It's the bright new shiny toy. But then again, that's why we want to be the fastest to market and the best marketplace, something that athletes truly, truly love and value. So they tell their friends about it and we can continue growing. Yeah, because the first thing also that came to my mind, especially when you talk about such large quantities and people who are, you know, in a way connected would be, I would expecting something around referral, right? Like, because, yeah. you know, what group has the biggest likelihood to know athletes is like, well, other athletes. So are you doing something on that front? Absolutely. That's the biggest thing that we've been testing. And I feel like we finally cracked the code on it. And I think it's just okay. getting started. But when we first launched, I'm like, oh my God, like if you're an athlete on the track and field team, like who are your best friends? Other track and field athletes. If you're a, a, a athlete on the women's basketball team and we hire at former athletes and I'm like, who are your best friends? Who are your group chats with? And they're like, yeah, my teammates. I was like, cool. Like, how can we get those people? And is every athlete going to promote and refer market price to their friends? Absolutely not. But for one in every five, one in every 10, are we going to find someone who's like, oh my God, I love this and I'm an evangelist and I want to promote this? That's what we've been doing. And now it's about compensating them the right way. And we've gone through like seven iterations of our referral program and it's just testing out what works. So we initially started by giving two weeks free to the refer and that kind of worked. Then we gave a month free, that kind of worked, but not really. And then it was just like, man, screw it, let's just pay them. And we ended up paying them $10 for every athlete that they refer who signs up to a membership. And we've paid out athletes hundreds of dollars by just simply, hey guys, go check out market price. Is it a double-ended refer? Like is the referee also getting something? I think that's something that we're about to test out soon. So okay. uh, we, we may split up the 10 bucks. So it's going to be five bucks to the refer and five bucks to the refer E, but that's not as easy to test as I'd like it to. Um, I, I like testing things manually and then automating it. Like we'd have to build a lot of tech to make that work. And for us, it's like, man, there's so many, we're in like this big boat, right? And there's tons of holes everywhere. And we're trying to fix the biggest holes and we need to be like, you know, that little, uh, like that, that graphic where it's the guy drinking the cup of coffee in a room that's burning yeah. in fire. And he's like, this, this is, is fine. fine. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. That's startups. Yeah, yeah. That, that is literally a startup <laughs> where it's like, I would love to do that. That's like number yeah. 117 on our to-do list and we'll get there. Absolutely. But yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm just like, the reason that I bring it up is because I think that like, you know, I have background in growth as well. And to me, that sounds like a really powerful growth loop because it's, yeah. you know, you, you have this potential for some kind of viral viral loop there. But I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you had not <laughs> thought about already a hundred times. And on the supply side, like how do you, you know, how do you grow supply side? Like, because of course they are usually a little bit less connected, right? Like, okay, entrepreneurs know other, like, I mean, small businesses know other small businesses, but like, Sometimes they're competing. So how, how does that like, you know, is that just hardcore sales or do you have other things in the toolbox? Sales has been the number one thing for us. And I, I want to stress that it's like it's hard to overlook like a lot of founders don't. And I, I think it's a really positive for us that like my background has been in sales. So it's like I was able to just do sales right off the bat and I was able to find out what works, create a playbook and hire people to just do it more than me and eventually better than me. Um, sales has been amazing because for businesses, it's like, hey, here's this free, amazing tool where you could post for free in five minutes this campaign, and then athletes who are paying us money to find opportunities like you want to yeah. work with you. 
let's work together. And that's something where, again, it's our brand sales has been mostly education, where it's like, cool, like this is a no-brainer for you to do. Now let's figure out the best way how to do this and strategize with them to be able to craft these awesome campaigns with athletes. So yeah, it's it's been sales. We haven't had any like tricks and growth hacks. It's just been, no. let's hire salespeople to do this. And it's been working tremendously for us. Yeah, I recall... I recall, uh, you know, Lenny Rzitzky, you must, you probably of know course. him. He's a boss. Yeah, he is. He is. Shout out to Lenny. But he had also at one point in, you know, he had a whole slew of posts about growing marketplace. And I think also, if I recall correctly, that like, I think sales was the number one across all of them, right? Like, he, he, including, uh, okay, we have to take a small break because I have someone, someone's coming in here. <laughs> I have, sorry, my daughter is no just worries apparently woken up here just give me a second jason jason we're talking about sales no worries Jordan. just a moment that has not happened before it's like it's <laughs> 11 it's like 10 to 11 here she's four years old she should be sleeping i think i think mom's already sleeping i have three kids so this is the youngest one no worries no worries all right i'm gonna piece this together but i think i said something like yeah it makes a lot of sense that you know sales is number one i recall lenny rosicki's series of podcasts about marketplaces where he i think the number one sales tactic across all of them like whether that was thumbtag or 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 grubhub or all of them was like sales was the one they all had in common right like it's not the growth tactic that people write blog posts about it's not the sexy one that people talk about when talk about growth hacks but direct sales usually is the best one when you talk to people like that right because a lot of our uh, i know a lot of people listening and a lot of shared rep customers also target small businesses, right? Because in most cases, it's like, well, it's a really interesting market always has been. What's your biggest problem in sort of like getting them on board? So you mentioned a little bit like education marketing, like, what do you mean? Like, what's the part? What's the threshold? What's the obstacle to get them on the platform? Like, what's the thing that they they, that's sort of blocking them? Yeah, not to dip too much into like, psychology, which I'm very interested in on that answer. But like, I think the biggest holdup for founders I've talked to at least is just kind of like the fear of suffering, the fear of like, oh my God, what if they say no? And like, they don't want someone to hurt their baby, right, of their company and be like, ah, I actually don't see it. I don't like it. And it's like, you'd rather not do sales. You'd rather think of these like interesting, at least I've seen, right? And every marketplace is different. But for me, that's the hardest part of like, just just picking up the phone and just reaching yeah. out to people and be willing to hear hey, this doesn't work for me, or I don't like this idea. Because for every one of those, you're going to get one who absolutely loves your business. So it's just reaching out. If you are so, you know that this product that you've built helps people, making sure that you can get that point across, where again, not everyone will see that vision, but that is totally okay. Um, that's the hardest part now for education. And you just talked about earlier, like 500,000 athletes, it's like a brand new because legislation opened it up. These college athletes, before July 1st, there has never been a college athlete legally <laughs> who's gotten paid to do marketing deals, right? So for them, they could look at professional athletes, sure, but 90% of them, if not more, are like, okay, cool, I can do this, but what do I say to a business? What do I do if they don't like me? What do I do if they don't answer right away? What do I do if they send me a product? What do I do if they send me a proposal? What do I do if I really like their product? What do I do if I don't like their product? There's just a ton of different questions and it's probably another episode, but what we're building out right now, shout out our athlete strategy team. So Ashley Kummer and Misha Sharp, they are working hard on a community. It's like an athlete community where now we have hundreds of paying users who are going to, and they've just started it last week, 
participating in a community where it's like a live discussion. And Airbnb's done this well, Notion has done this well, Lenny has wrote about it a lot, but building communities to answer all of these questions. So education, learning from us, like educational content from MarketPrice, like, hey, here's the three keys to succeeding on our platform. But then also from other athletes, like what are other stories that athletes have seen and being able to create that community within athletes. And that's an opportunity that that is going to be like when you talk about democratizing athlete marketing, like opening up, not just meeting businesses, but meeting other athletes too. And that's an opportunity that we are very excited about. Yeah, that, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. One quick question about monetization, because we discussed now a little bit membership. So am I correct that you're not charging businesses anything? The only thing that we charge businesses ever is if they do a cash deal. So let's say, Sheward, you are a pro soccer player and mm -hmm. I am Nike. I wish. I wish. And I pay yeah. you. Yeah, stick with me here. That I, dream's I long gotcha. gone, Jason. I, I'm going to keep going. You're going to be like, oh, this sounds nice. Let's say I yeah. pay you $100 to make an Instagram post for me to promote my cleats that I send you. Yeah. I would charge market prices. What we would charge the business $105, so 5% fee on top of what you're paying the athlete. And then we would charge that business and then hold the money in escrow and actually yeah. process the payment to you. So once you've done that deal, so once you've posted for the business, that Instagram post, we would send you a hundred dollars and we'd keep the $5. Okay. And how do you combat this intermediation there? Right. Because like, especially, especially for small businesses, right? Like you mentioned earlier, you know, for some people, at least in their mind, this is a trade-off between their daughter's braces and advertising. So how do you make sure that they're not like, hey, I'd rather pocket that $5. Can I not just, you know, hand you some cash, especially if we're talking about local marketplaces, local athletes, right? Like stop by the store and I'll, I'll, I'll pop you a hundred. How do you go around that? It's a great question. It's a mix of, we don't really care that much because of our business model and Fair enough. because of the value that we add, where if it was 20 to 30%, we would not allow disintermediation. That's too valuable. We would be forfeiting way too much money. For 5%, that's something that we did a ton of user research with businesses where it's like, cool, what is the amount that you would pay for us to handle all of the crap that goes with paying athletes? So for example, let's go back to that example of you're a pro soccer player because you had a big smile on your face when I was saying it. That's something where like, if you are working with a business and the business has never worked with an athlete before, do they send you the money before? Do they send you 50% now, 50% later? How do they make sure that you actually do it? What happens if you don't do it? What happens if you don't do it right? What happens if you don't do hashtag ad? Like all of that stuff, the contract, right? Are you gonna write up your own contract? We have an internal contract. So for all of those problems, we tell those businesses like, you don't have to worry about any of that and it only costs 5% of a cash transaction. So that's something now we eventually, as we scale, we're gonna continue adding tech, which Maybe we'll talk again in six months and I'll show you all the cool stuff we're building. But like, we want to keep adding value to businesses to raise that rake, right? So go from five to seven and a half to 10% as we continue building value. But we want to be wary of there are other marketplaces out there. Like if you try to share your email address on Airbnb, what happens? You get blocked. Hey, actually keep this on our platform. That's something that I don't want to get the point to. I want to be able to make that connection. And if that athlete and brands go off of our platform and do a bigger deal, We've done our job. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and I like what you said that like we don't really care about it, like because it just happens so rarely. In my in my experience, like the first time marketplace founders that that worry about this, it's usually like I usually think that it's more of a problem in your head than it's really a problem. Like it's not the number one problem. You know, like referring back to, you know, being the dog with the coffee in a room on fire, it's one of the smaller fires, right? I think. So and and I think that also what the other thing you said is just really key that like 
yeah, you can do all these tricks, like, you know, block the email addresses being shared, whatever. But of course, the key thing is really just to add enough value to sort of justify this, this the take rate that it doesn't actually feel like, like a pain that people want to sort of get rid of. So, so that makes perfect sense. Jason, I think I've taken off more than enough of your time. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, you already referred a little bit like creator space, maybe later creator economy, you know, what's next for market price? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to preface this by saying typically I don't love answering this because it's like an Andy Jassy quote, the CEO of Amazon, where he's like, if you're thinking five years down the line, you are going to be out of business in five months. Like you need to worry about problems today and figure out sure. that guy put out those fires today and then drink your coffee today. But down the line, the creator economy is something I'm really bullish on where it's podcasts like these, right, that are incredibly popular. Anyone listening to this podcast, they've made it this long hearing both of us talk about marketplaces. That's something where you have value, right? If you get hundreds, if not thousands of people to listen to this, if you drop in an ad, right, if you are talking about marketplaces and then you could find an advisor role at a marketplace, right? I know you work with ShareTribe, but the idea of one individual's resume not being a resume, I don't. I personally don't look at resumes anymore. I don't. I look at the LinkedIn, I look at your social media that trend is only going to continue as Gen Z is now older, right? Like Gen Z is the first generation where being a creator, quote unquote, is like an actual job. Like that's not something yeah. where it's like, oh, ha, yeah, ha, ha, true. whatever. True. That trend is only going to continue with people thinking of themselves first, promoting themselves, building their personal brand, where that has tremendous value in the business sense where, and again, I could talk about it a lot, but going back to athletes, because we are an athlete focused company, you see LeBron James, you see Kevin Durant, you see Serena Williams, they're moving to equity deals. And not only equity deals where they have equity in a company, they have venture capitalist companies where they're investing in companies. At the same time, there's athletes on the other side of the spectrum that haven't even gotten free product from businesses or gotten paid to promote a business. I'd love to get to the point where there is every single athlete having access to equity deals, working in businesses and being able to use their influence to promote companies for the better, whether it's at a national level or even at a local level, but making a platform that can facilitate all of that and help that. The, the toughest part of those deals is just the zero to one, what's out there. And market price is gonna open that up to every athlete and every single business. Awesome. Let's end on that. Where do people find market price? Where do people find Jason Bergman? Anything you would like to pitch in particular? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been pitching my business the whole time. I just went to my co-founder's wedding last weekend and I made a speech and I pitched market <laughs> price to everybody. So I, uh, I, I, I'm, it's something I love doing, but check out market price. I would go on our website or on social media. We're just at market price everywhere. And it's P-R-Y-C-E. So it's market price. We're a startup. We had to throw a Y in there at some point. Um, but yeah, I would check out Market Price and then find me. I'm I'm best on Twitter and LinkedIn, but just Jason Berkman. I'm sure you'll be able to find me. And yeah, I'd love to connect with any marketplace looking to learn more. Or if you're a business and you're like, man, I think it'd be cool to work with athletes, I hit me up. I will get you in the right hands. And then if you're an athlete, I don't know, sure. Do you have athletes listening to this? Because that could be pretty epic. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You'll find out hopefully after this episode airs. I'll keep you posted. Thanks a lot for your time, Jason. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Sided, the Marketplace podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe. If you listen on iTunes, we'd also love for you to rate and give us a review. If you got inspired to build your own marketplace, go visit www.sharetribe.com 
It's the fastest way to build a successful online marketplace business. Until next time.